Philippians chapter number one now. Let's look at our Bible. Philippians chapter number one. Church, may, uh, we have the Lord's Supper tonight. I don't intend to be long, but I want to I want to at least continue a little bit farther in our study in Philippians. If the Lord allows on Sunday nights, I'd like to continue to kind of finish walking through the book. The children in the school or the young people in the school are memorizing uh, the book of Philippians. And so I just thought it would be good that we would, as <laughs> what they're memorizing, they would understand. And I'm, I'm not really taking uh, short verses, in which I th- obviously could be done with any verse of Scripture. But I'm really kind of doing sections of verses um, to be able to kind of um, do an overview, I guess I should say, of the book of Philippians. That we've, we had two other messages on this. The first message that we looked at in Philippians was verses 1 through 11. And it's the idea of Paul praying for them. In verse number 9, he says, and this I pray. And then the word that is used three times. And so we have three prayer requests, or I should say three specific things that Paul prayed for for the church at Philippi. And I think, again, we, we could replicate that. Then we looked at verses numbers 12 through 21. And we take it from verse number 12 where Paul said, I would not have you, uh, I'm sorry, but I would you but I would you should understand, brethren, that these things which happened unto me. And I, we kind of went through those verses where Paul is explaining why he's in prison. And he said, this is why this is happening. Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And I think there's obviously principles that Paul used here that we could use also. Tonight, I want to pick it up in verse number um, uh, 22 tonight. And um, what I want you to want to look at in particularly is verses 22 through 30, uh, which is the remainder of this chapter. But I want you, let's pick it up in verse number 22. It says this, but if I live, I'm going to read verse 21, even though it was part of the last section. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul goes on to say, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. I've preached a message similar, but I want to preach a different, a little bit different direction, but on similar, similar thought. On that verse there, in verse number 24, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. On that thought, why are you needed? Why are you needed? Our Father in heaven, would you please help us tonight? Give us something from your word. Give us again the filling of the spirit. And uh, Lord, again, speak to your people. Lord, please help uh, Levi in, uh, tonight in the hospital. Lord, would you please heal his body. Others who cannot miss a Sanford, others who are, cannot be with us tonight, maybe, uh, not feeling well, would you continue to heal them also? Help us now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, Paul makes this statement to the church at Philippi. He says, listen, it's, I would like to be in heaven. For me, to, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I wish I didn't have to stay here. You know, our connections for wanting to stay here is usually people or things. In other words, I, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to die because my children need me, or I don't want to die because I love my spouse, or I don't want to die because of. And it could be a thing, could be something in particular. But can I just tell you, there's no better place to be than be in heaven. And, and, and listen, I don't want to be. I, 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 yes, I would like to be here for my children, but I've learned something a long time ago. They're God's children, and if God decides to take us home to heaven, God's still going to take care of His children. All right, no matter how much we love our families. There's no better thing to be with Christ. But Paul makes the statement here. He says, listen, I would love to be, in, be with Christ, which is far better. But for me to be here is necessary. It's more needful for you. And I want to look at these next few verses of really what Paul is talking about on why it was more needful for Apostle Paul to be here than to be in heaven. So he makes the statement in verse number 24. Again, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And then he goes on to say this. In having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. What's the next word? All right, so he's the word for. In other words, this is the reason. We would say because. In other words, the reason it's necessary for me to be here 
is for, look what he says now in verse number 25, for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation, your behavior, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in, given in the, I'm sorry, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. Now, it doesn't matter if you're young or old tonight. I think Apostle Paul's reason for why he needed to be here is the same for all of us. So when Paul says it's necessary for him to be here, and then he says for, and here's the reason. Now, two of them are in the same statement, and I want to explain that. But in verse number uh, 25, he says, And having this confidence, I, I know that I shall abide. In other words, I'm going to stay. I'm going to continue with you all, you at Philippi, for your furtherance and joy of faith. Now, there's a, conju a, a conjunction, I think you'd say in English. He says, for your furtherance and joy of faith. All right? And so if I can separate them tonight, I want to deal with them separately tonight because there's actually three of these, just two of them here. But the first thing that Paul says is the reason you need me is for your furtherance of faith. That's what he said in verse number 20, uh, 25. He says, for your furtherance and joy of faith. In other words, your furtherance and joy of faith. So Paul was saying, the reason you need me, I don't need to die and go to heaven yet, is because I'm here to advance your faith. I'm here to get you to go to the next step. Church, I mean, when you look in the scriptures, think about all the, all the statements that are used about the Christian life. Add to your faith. Grow in grace. Live by faith. Everything, that when, you, when we look in the scriptures, and there's several more statements, but when you look at these statements, the idea is not to stand still. The idea is not just to get saved and then plant yourself. And, not, and, and again, plant yourself could mean to be steadfast. But the idea is that I'm supposed to be growing. I'm supposed to be going forward in my faith. Hey, you don't stop growing until you get to heaven. You've got your glorified body, glorified mind. So can I just tell you, it doesn't matter if I'm 80 years old, I should continue to read my Bible. I should continue to ask the Lord to help me to grow in my faith. I should continue to ask God to give me boldness to tell people about Jesus Christ. I don't get to a place where I've made it. So Paul says, I want to tell you the reason it's necessary for me to be here is because I'm the prodder. I'm the person that helps you advance in your faith. I'm the person that encourages you. And by the way, I don't think it's just a matter of Apostle Paul being the missionary or the pastor. I think it's a matter of Apostle Paul being the Christian. Can I tell you what you ought to do for your spouse? You ought to further their faith. Some of you say, I'm married. Believe me, she's furthering it. <laughs> you ought to further your spouse's faith. There ought to be an advancement. There ought to be an encouragement. There ought to be a help. There ought to be a prod. Hey, listen, let's go ask the Lord what he's got for us at church tonight. Hey, let's ask the Lord to meet this particular need in our family. What are you doing? You're advancing the faith of a person. Listen, we talked about this a little bit this morning. There is a saving faith and there is a living faith. All right, I think it's four times in scripture he says to live by faith. I'm sorry, the just shall live by faith. Can I just tell you that it's not talking about saving faith. That's all set and done when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. But this thing of after you get saved, well, it's a whole different, whole different ballgame. Brother Miller, uh, I used your testimony in, in teacher's meeting. I don't, we recorded it whenever you gave it in Sunday school. 
And so um, I play some of those in a teacher's meeting. And he said himself that when he accepted Christ as a savior, he got saved here. I got saved really at work in his car, but he got saved when he trusted Christ as savior. The very next statement he said, he said, when I got saved, it didn't, it didn't change me having problems. And I want to tell you why just because you got saved, it doesn't change you from having problems because you're supposed to live by faith. And there'd be no faith involved if you're always on the mountain. There'd be no faith involved if you didn't have a problem or an offense or, or a trouble in your life or a sickness. There would be no faith involved. Faith is what causes us to believe God during our trial of circumstance. The patience of Job, a whole book in the Bible, what's it about? Losing all of his ten children and boils from head to toe. It was a matter of, was he going to trust God? And guess what? He passed with flying colors. So when Apostle Paul says he's talking to the church in Philippi, I just want to tell you, church of Philippi, I'd like to be in heaven because that's far better. But I don't need to be in heaven. I need to be here. And I'm going to tell you why. Because even from prison, from Rome, writing a letter to Philippi, he said, I can still advance your faith from here. Just, I mean, who, who do you encourage in their faith? If you've got children, can I just tell you as mom and dad, you should be checking and asking, are you having your devotions? Are you reading your Bible? There's nothing wrong with that. That's, by the way, that's what parents are supposed to do. It's not just a matter of making sure my kid's in church. It's about advancing their faith, encouraging them to continue to grow as a Christian. So what did Paul say? The reason he was needed. He was needed because for their furtherance. Why are you needed? I want to tell you why you're needed. You're needed since you can help further somebody. Hey, I am so thankful for people who influence me, and I'm so thankful for people who encourage, and people that, oh, man, I didn't think about that. That's a good thought. But can I tell you, you should not just be the taker. You ought to be the giver. When's the last time you shared a verse with somebody that challenged you or helped you? When's the last time you did a Bible study with somebody and say, listen, I'm studying this particular thing. Would you look at it and tell me what your thoughts are? I'm not talking about causing, I'm not talking about divisive things or foolish questions. I'm just talking about who are you furthering in your faith? All right. So Paul says the reason he was necessary is because he was there to further them. Look at something. Hey, by the way, I found this interesting too. The word furtherance is only mentioned twice in the Bible and both of them are in that chapter. Apostle Paul says in verse number 12, he was there to further the gospel or the furtherance of the gospel. And then in verse 25, the furtherance of your faith. Again, the advancement. That's what we're here for is to advance. All right, look at the next thing. Look at verse number 25. Not only was he there, uh, again, for their furtherance of their faith, but for their joy of faith in verse 25. He says, verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Now, it's interesting that most of us would look at the book of Philippians as a book of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always and yes. Philippians 4.4, all right? Paul, Paul talked about that no matter what sort of state I am, I'm there with to be content. Just remember, there ought to be joy in your faith. Yeah. I got to go to church. How long is this going to last? It's 6.48. He's been talking for about nine minutes now. <laughs> you know, the Christian life is not, it's not one of these things I have to do. It's something I get to do. Amen. You ever thought about there's a lost and dying world that doesn't even have any idea of the Holy Spirit or the joy that comes with that? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. joy. We don't live the Christian life on happiness because happiness is based on happenings. We live the Christian life because of a joy that comes from being saved. I know where I'm going when I die. 
I've got a Holy Spirit that can give me direction. I've got access to a throne called God the Father that I can come boldly to. I can have joy, and I can have joy in my circumstance as well as being on the mountain or being in the valley. I can still have joy. Amen. You know, I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes Christians, they get to that place where they're always walking on their, their bottom lip. Uh, it's not it's just everything's going not going good and you know the finances aren't here for this and my wife says this and the children are doing this and the pastor keeps preaching <laughs> listen I, I just tell, i'm telling you as a christian that, that there's two things that causes joy in the christian life all right number one is the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit is love joy but i want to tell you the second thing that ought to cause you joy is just the fact of knowing where you're going when you're dying you remember what Jesus said? I want you to look at this one with me. Turn over to Hebrews. We'll come right back here. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse number 1. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, making reference to the, to the witnesses in chapter number 11, which was the hall of faith, he says, there's a cloud of witnesses in heaven. Let us, because of that, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Then in verse number two, he says, what keeps us not to be weary in the race that we're doing? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the, what's the word? Joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three, for consider him that endured such great contradiction. Now, church, I mean, in, okay, now, to me, there's two things here, okay? The first thing is this, is when the Bible says in verse number that, that, that Jesus, verse number two, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. In other words, this is how I, I look at this verse. The reason he was able to endure the cross and to endure the contradiction of sinners is because he saw the joy that was set before him. All right, now, I think it's twofold personally, but the, the, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to turn to the passage you're welcome to, but the, a verse that goes with that joy is the book of Jude, and here's what it says, Jude one twenty four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, who is that? Who can keep us from falling? And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, who can present us faultless before God because of his death? Jesus Christ says this with exceeding joy. That exceeding joy is not us, our joy. That exceeding joy is Christ's joy because it says, Now unto him that is able, him being Jesus, is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I look at it that the reason Jesus could, uh, could endure that contradiction of sinner and the hardship of the cross is because he saw you and I getting saved. He's the one that presents us faultless with exceeding joy. That joy that was set before him, he, he was God. He saw the future. He saw that he was going to sit on the right hand of the Father. I don't have this, this Bible underlined this way, but I know I've done other ones this way. But I used to circle the word joy in verse number two, and then I would run an arrow to the end of the verse because the end of the verse, it says, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him. Church family, he left the throne of glory to come as man so he could endure our temptation, our sin, and he was without sin, so he could die for us. How could he endure such the contradiction of sinners, the beating? Tonight, we're going to practice the Lord's Supper. You know what that's about? This do in. What are we going to do tonight? We're going to stop for a few moments before we take the juice tonight, before we eat, take that unleavened bread tonight, and we're going to think about what Christ went through for us. 
Jesus Christ took the contradiction of sinners. What did they do to him? They says that they buffeted him, which means clenched fist. It says they smote him, which means with open hand. They took Jesus Christ and put that crown of thorns upon him. And with a reed, they beat those crown, that crown, that, those thorns into his skull. They, they plucked his beard. They whipped him with that cat of nine tails as they stretched him upon that post. And they took that cat of nine tails and those nine strands of leather with glass and stone embedded into him would come into his skin. And as they would pull, that flesh would come off. Isaiah says his visage was not known. We can't comprehend somebody who doesn't look like a human being, but that's what, exactly what they did to Christ when they beat him. How did Jesus endure all of that? Because he saw you and I being saved so he could present us faultless before the throne of God. Amen. He looked to the future of this is for a short moment, but in three and a half years of ministry, and of course 33 years upon this earth, that Jesus would take all of that because of the joy that was set before him. Why are you living the Christian life so sad when you're not thinking about what's coming? Paul says, I, I'm just telling you, Philippian church, church of Philippi, you need me. I don't want to tell you why you need me. He says, listen, you need me because I'm, I'm here to further you, but I'm also here to give you joy in your faith. Paul's writing from prison. And he's saying, hey, you can do it. You can do it. You're going to be okay. These guys were not in prison. They look at, they look at Apostle Paul. Oh, goodness gracious, if he can be happy in prison, I can be happy outside of prison. Paul says, hey, listen, you need me. Church, can I tell you, somebody needs you to not be so grumpy. My kids tease me because they say, hey, listen, make sure dad eats supper. Because if he doesn't eat supper, he's grumpy. And then I spank them for talking about their father like that. You know, some of you act like you didn't eat supper tonight. Yeah. It's okay to smile. It really is. It really is. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Word countenance means face. You know, I'm just trying to tell you, when you're happy on the in, uh, inside, joy on the inside, it comes here. Amen. All right? When you're, when you're always... You can't help but, you can't help but smile when, you're, when there's joy on the inside. And listen, I want to tell you something. Joy spreads joy. Yeah. I know sometimes we shake hands. Some people's got it down pat. Hi, how are you? Glad you're in church tonight. Hi, how are you? Glad you're in church tonight. Hi, how are you? Glad you're in church tonight. I'll tell you what something brings joy. Smack and women. That just brings joy. I'm just telling you. <laughs> you should have seen our visitors' eyes this morning when I said that during Sunday school. It got You all weren't in my Sunday school class, but I mentioned about that story. But when I, when I just said... Smacking, smacking a woman, and all of a sudden, my visitors looked at me like, what kind of church are we in? <laughs> I want to just tell you, I know everyone's going to have a bad day, but you're a Christian. There's got to be joy. And you know why people need you? They need you because you're happy, because you're happy in the Lord, because you're saved. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm going to heaven. No matter, what, no matter who the president is, I'm still going to heaven. So Paul says, you need me. The reason you need me is to further your, further your faith. Second of all, you need me because of joy, in, joy of faith. He says, you need me that, because of that. Last of all, look at verse number 28. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter number 1. He says, the reason you need me, look at verse 28 again. He says this, he says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Now remember now, he's writing the church at Philippi. 
Nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation that of God, and, and that of God. For unto you it is given. Oh, great. What, what's God given me? For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him. Good, I'm saved. He gave me salvation. Read the last phrase with me. But what? So he didn't only give you salvation, he gave you suffering. Verse number 30, having the same conflict which ye saw in me. All right, now let's just ask, I'm not trying to be redundant tonight. Who's Paul writing to? The church where? Church of Philippi, all right? Church, I mean, we do know what happened at Philippi. He wasn't there very long. We know that as soon as he gets into Philippi, Lydia gets saved. As soon as Lydia, uh, Lydia gets saved, that demon-possessed girl starts following him, and he turns around, casts out the demon, and that, that, that girl gets saved, that slave girl gets saved. As soon as that slave girl gets saved, the people who are making profit off of her get mad, get mad at Apostle Paul, and they throw Paul into prison. Paul and Silas are singing in prison, and who else gets saved? Yeah. Philippian jailer. Church family, when they threw Paul and Silas into prison, the Bible said that they, they gave them stripes. They beat them, the Bible says. So when Paul writes in verse number, verse number 30 there in the first part, he says, having the same conflict which he saw in me, I'm just telling the Philippian jailer, the slave girl, Lydia and whoever else got saved at Philippi, they knew exactly what he was talking about because they saw, the, they saw the marks that were on his body from his beating. They knew that he was in prison. But he didn't stop there. Look what else he says in verse number 30. He says, having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. Where was Paul writing from? He was writing from prison where? He was in Rome. He's writing from prison. He says, hey, listen, you can endure. Because it's, it's been given unto you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Amen. You know why Paul said, you need me? He says, you need me to further your faith. He says, you need me because of the joy of faith. But he says, you need me for, for an example of suffering. He says, you need me for an example. Listen, Brother Miller had it hit, it hit right on the nose when he gave his testimony, and again, this months ago. But he gave his testimony. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. You're going to suffer as a Christian. Ladies, you're going to walk into a store and everyone's going to look at you because you look different. That's a small suffering compared to what Christ did on the cross. You guys are going to have to take a stand at work. Hey, Trisha, I want to tell you something. You give me liberty to say what I'm to say and don't, don't throw stones at me or get upset at me. I haven't taken the vaccine or anything. To be honest with you, I, I, I don't have a conviction either way right now, but... I want to tell you something. Some of you have already got, gotten to this place in your life that you figured out that all the vaccines have some type of abortion connected to it. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm a Christian. I'm not, I'm not going to take something where they aborted some baby, murdered some baby, and put it into my veins. I'm just not going to do that. We have had five people so far at the Heritage Baptist Church where they have been given a time frame now that if they do not take the vaccine, they lose their job. This is crazy. Crazy. Now, five at least, but there are going to be several more. You're going to have to come to a conclusion whether or not spiritually you're going to be able to take that thing or not. And you might have to take a stand. And you might have to say, listen, there's no way I'm taking that thing. But can I tell you, there's a whole lot of other things besides vaccines that you need to be taking a stand on. I'm not going to go to your party when it's just an alcoholic beer time. I'm not doing that. What's wrong? You're not going to be a part of everybody? I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm a Christian. 
You know, some of you have family that's not saved, and you're doing everything you can to keep peace in the family. But I want to tell you something. As a Christian, you need to know, according to your faith, what you should and shouldn't do. You cannot justify in your mind to keep peace in the family and do something that's anti-scriptural. I mean, you can. God gives you liberty, but I'm just telling you, you shouldn't. We're supposed to be the example to other people. Pete, by the way, you embolden other Christians because of your stand. Alice is a nurse, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. That you should, after you're here long enough, you figure out. I embarrass everybody, all right? But she's a nurse. She didn't, she didn't want to take the vaccine. So she wrote them a two-page paper, and she put Scripture all through it. I'm, I was impressed. She's the next woman preacher, I'm just telling you. Her work took that and gave her an exemption. I was really happy about that. But I want to tell you something. She could have just gone with a little flow, but she confessed, showed them all from Scripture. Hey, listen, I'm not taking this because of this. I want to tell you something. Today it's the vaccine, but I'm going to just tell you something. The vaccine is just something that's come up because of our, our climate right now. But I want to tell you something. There's a thousand other things that are going to come up in your, your life that you're going to have to decide. I can either suffer for Jesus Christ because this is what Christ wants me to do, or you can go along with everybody else. Paul says, you need me as an example in this idea of persecution. Look at your Bible, verse number 13. He says this, so that by, I'm sorry, verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the other places and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my what? Bonds, his chains. Verse number 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, my chains, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Hey, listen, you're going to go through times of suffering in your life. Church family, I know that it's not easy, but can I just tell you, you're not the only one suffering. Amen. And let me add to that, Christ suffered a whole lot more than you and I will ever. Amen. What did he say in the book of Hebrews? Ye have not yet resisted unto blood. Church family, we live in the United States of America, and there's a whole lot of things that we don't agree with. But so far, we still have freedom to meet tonight. Amen. None of us are in jail. None of us have been beaten or, 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 or imprisoned. And I know there's Christians all over the world who've taken a stand for Christ, and nobody knows their names, but they've taken a stand for Christ. By the way, that's what we're supposed to do. Hey, if you can't take a stand for Christ with believers, then you're not taking a stand for Christ without them. I'm thankful for the believers that we have here, and the believers that we have here gives us confidence. You know, church, I mean, when we get on a bus to go soul winning, there's something when you get in a car and you're, you're two by two, which is still a biblical principle. They went out two by two. But you know what? There's just something when 30, 40, 50 people get on a bus. It's like, come on, let's get him. That's what happens. There is a certain amount of confidence that happens when there's a group of people doing something. But what happens when you're by yourself? Stand for Christ. They're not going to like it. They're going to call you names. They're going to make fun of you. I have no idea what my neighbors say about me, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'll buy my own Halloween candy and eat it in front of them. I don't care. Church family, you're needed. Somebody needs you. And Paul's writing from prison. He says, hey, listen, 
you need me, and I'm just telling you why. I'm here to further your faith. I'm here to give you joy in the faith, and I'm here to be an example of suffering so that you'll continue to suffer for Christ. Now, I don't know who it is, but every person, every person in here influences somebody. And if you ever get to the place where, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, nobody knows me, and, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a new member, or I have been saved. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you're saved, you're light and salt. Everybody influences somebody. Everybody influences somebody. Take it serious.